This is a Pain Information Network. Welcome back. Well, thanks for coming back around, everybody. It's uh, been a, about a month since I put podcast out here, but it's not that I haven't been podcasting. Sometimes when you don't hear from me, you can kind of look around. Uh, ASIPP.org, the uh, organization which I'm uh, a member, proud member, I'm on the executive board, and I've been past president. I put a lot of effort into that organization because it is meaningful. It is worthwhile to visit uh, at all levels, at the provider level, at the consumer level, and to utilize some of its services. Some of those services are pretty unique. You know, like, for example, Pain Physician, um, the journal is there, and unlike many journals and sources for journals this one's free and it's pretty comprehensive you can search by author search by title and learn in a very important high level high impact journal peer-reviewed stuff that has been looked at by the editorial staff and deemed worthy of publication and not a throwaway. We do get a lot of journals, and uh, we call them throwaway journals. They have uh, nice little stories in them, maybe feel-good stories, maybe informational, anecdotal stories, but they aren't rigorous, um, and the information doesn't always have to be a study, but the information has to be right, it has to be understood, and it has to be presented well within sometimes a reproducible way, but many times... A, uh, a, a way to communicate uh, a problem that me- is meaningful, not now, but as I always say, 3, 6, 9, and 12 months from now, even more evergreen, if need be. Evergreen is a cool, hip way of saying forever. That's what the uh, uh, folks in the uh, podcast world call uh, stuff that sticks around a long time, evergreen. That'd be the Pat Flynn's and the John Lee Dumas, uh, Seidman Garland, etc. Uh, you got to check them out sometimes. They're re- they're really quite good. They're um, marketing entrepreneurs. And they have really interesting stories. In fact, Pat Flynn's story from 2008 till now with Smart Passive Income was featured in Psychology Today. Now that's a good that's a pretty good publication, but I wouldn't really call it a journal. So. When you look at Pain Physician and some of the other affiliated journals that we have and studies, you're looking at the real deal. Um, I'm on the uh, review board, and it's editorial board is what we call it. And, uh, again, it's free, so take advantage of that. All the other stuff with ASIP, American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, and as they are very broad brush-stroked, we've been – Putting on webinars, I was in one of them. Uh, we're going to have another one today. Uh, these are free, by the way, and you can sit in and, and listen about COVID, um, otherwise known as a coronavirus. You can you can learn about these things for free, and it's at the provider physician level. And they're very interesting, well presented. They're done on Zoom, so you get a PowerPoint presentation with it. And it usually shows up a week or so later on the website if you didn't catch it. So go go look at some of the older ones. It's a, going at uh, the speed of light, how things are changing with this COVID. And I, I'll give you some educational points uh, about COVID. But to get on track of what we're talking about today is I'm going to call this one uh, COVID cases. 
And I'm not making light of the COVID-19 infection. What I'm doing is talking about uh, the new normal. And two of the podcasts I did for ASIP were, well, I did three. Uh, two I'm going to publish, and if I get permission for the third, I will do that too. Um, they're very important uh, folks. The incoming president, uh, Dr. Cordner, I interviewed him about, you know, what we do. How, how are we going to get restarted here? Um, he's in Florida, and the very idea of what I'm talking about today uh, is what Harold Cordner and I talked about. It's we were kind of shut down. He really got shut down in Florida, where the governor said no elective cases, and it was punitive. Now Texas is very punitive. If you do something that's not deemed emergent or absolutely necessary, it's a licensing issue. It's a legal issue. So there's been a lot of fear out there on physicians' part, and uh, Dr. Devi is on Fox News. She's a Really great lady, uh, young mother, young rising star. She's a Fox uh, contributor, and she has a Metropolis Pain Center in um, Manhattan. She kind of got shut down, um, but she's been on Fox, and um, she's trying to keep her staff going and all. And then um, Emol Soyan, uh, that's a S-O-I-N-M-D, an entrepreneur, really smart guy he's going to be an incoming president in two years he um he was a great interview on some of the financial aspects because he's a big-time entrepreneur uh and he does a lot with uh uh, some industries and uh, entrepreneurship uh, stuff that he's done patented and he's a he's a fascinating listen too so um they're over on asipp.org right now along with Kevin MD. He gets over a million page views a month on his website. It's a good website and it's more physician oriented, but it, it's good for the consumer to read. It, I mean, it really is good and it's easy to read and he gets a lot of contributors. It's kind of like a blog stop. Uh, it's worthwhile taking a good uh, look. I interviewed him as well. Uh, <laughs> that one was kind of fun. We had to do it on Zoom. And, uh, you know, we're semi-quarantined. I don't know what we are. I'm I'm out and about, but, you know, only for necessary things. And my wife uh, was doing something that she had to do. Uh, and so it's me, the dogs, and I'm doing my scheduled time with a VIP, Kevin MD. Uh, he's a big deal, Kevin Poe, P-H-O. That's his... Uh, uh, his uh, name in New Hampshire, uh, and the dogs exploded. Uh, they just – and then the puppy would not shut up. So I spent uh, an hour and a half editing trying to get most of uh, the explosion out of there. Uh, but they were just being what they normally are, and they're good at uh, um, alert. And, uh, of course, UPS drives in. I mean, it just it just didn't stop. Uh, so we had a real good discussion with the new norm with Kevin Poe. So uh, I'll, I'm going to get permission for publication on pain information from him as well. But uh, I'll put up uh, Dr. Cordner and Dr. Soren's um, uh, podcasts that I did um, because they are so good. And 
informative, but you'll see they're somewhat dated. Uh, it's just things are moving so fast. So what isn't dated is Dr. Cordner in my discussion, and that brings full circuit to COVID cases. We have to practice responsibly. So how am I practicing? Well, Carolyn Davis, uh, who is a, a really smart, smart um, pain provider who's got uh, her own practice going and trying to get through this stuff just like us, um, keeping her employees, uh, going, going for stimulus money and that sort of thing, the payment uh, protection program to keep the employees. And uh, my first round didn't go well for me. I'm going for second round. Carolyn got it first round. Good for Carolyn. She's doing uh, what she coins VIP visits, visits in parking lot, and I am too. <laughs> so I uh, think that's an incredibly clever name, and we put it to reality. If you want to see what it is, you can go to Pain Relief Centers, that's plural, that's me, and uh, it's a dot .com, and you can see myself, my staff, uh, and we're serpentine in kind of a, a little course, uh, race course, um, cars, and we are uh, talking to patients in the parking lot because we can't bring them in the building. We've already had a few close calls, uh, and we just cannot uh, take the chance of quarantining that building. We've thought of other things like uh, splitting up the staff. Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, so that if someone gets it, we don't have to completely put everybody in quarantine. Um, you know, we've thought about things like that and talked about it. Um, and uh, it actually came up yesterday when I was having lunch with uh, Carolyn Davis. And um, uh, private practices are sometimes doing that. She informed me of that, and I thought, well, you know, it's pretty clever. Uh, but... I just want to keep uh, keep doing. There they go. <laughs> keep business as normal, and uh, if if we can get away with this for a few more weeks, we're going to be able to move away from this um, dance that we have going on, where uh, it, one of my locations they have to come in the building, but we have to wipe the room down every patient that leaves and it's really slowed us down or we do visits in parking lot and do the best we can with what we got so far it's working pretty well and we appreciate law enforcement they've helped us we appreciate uh, uh, the city of conover helping us and uh, Salisbury as well um so go visit us at uh, pain in for or pain relief centers.com now uh what's funny the dogs just exploded i'm outside um because I'm tired of being inside. And uh, there is this bird that looks like a pterodactyl, and it just flies at these dogs. And just, oh, it's, a, you know, it's an explosion of love, I think. But they, uh, they all seem to get along pretty well. And so, anyway, so COVID cases. <clears throat> we can't do elective cases right now. We have a lot to think to think about that we've had multiple discussions with ASIP and the webinar tonight is going to address how we uh, fire back up our practice 
that is interventional, including uh, injections uh, and other manipulations, not just meds. and how are we going to do that? How are we going to prepare? And what do we do? <clears throat> you know, face it, we got a backlog of cases. I was told last week that Western North Carolina has a backlog of 40,000 cases, elective cases. So how are we going to stratify those? How are we going to put them at risk? Uh, are we going to use steroid? Now, that's an interesting thought because, <clears throat> well, steroid suppresses immunity. Well, we don't want to do that, do we? Well, I don't know. Because if you think about it, corona, one of the really bad outcomes with corona, amongst other things, is you get this inflammatory storm where these um, uh, different um, chemical mediators, and I'll just call them that, um, they uh, create an inflammatory process, and the body reacts and then overreacts, and that's when people really get sick. That might have <clears throat> something to do with the predisposition to clotting, getting blood clots. There was an, an actor from Hollywood just had his leg taken off that got corona. Um, well-known actor. Um, you can look it up. I don't want to mention his name, but um, he... He, he was in good shape. And it probably has something to do with high-risk people, why they have so many heart problems when they get corona. Well, thrombosis or blood clots or how about lung problems, stiff lungs? How about, like I just mentioned, uh, uh, you know, vascular thrombosis, lower extremity, upper extremity. So that's what we're looking at. <clears throat> but on the other hand, we get uh, upper respiratory problems, sometimes we get give uh, steroids, decrease the inflammatory response. <laughs> so maybe steroids aren't so bad. Now, we originally thought that Motrin was, or Motrin-like drugs, NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, were uh, a bad idea, uh, and they're a naughty. You don't give them. Uh, but now they're saying it's no problem. So once again, things changing at the speed of light. So as I understand COVA, and this will probably change too, there are four strains out there that are a problem. And remember, this is COVID-19. It's not COVID-1. Uh, but three of those strains could be considered uh, cold, flu-like symptoms. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of people we know with COVID-19 have no symptoms. We know that the virus is a fragile virus. We know that we don't have uh, a treatment, I mean, a defined treatment right now. We have some good guesses, good ideas, good tries. Things are in progress, but we don't have an immunization yet, and that's going to be at least a year off at, at best. And don't forget the flu immunization, immunization for uh, the common flu is um, elusive to us and many people. Sometimes it's not very effective at all. And how about HIV? Well, no, we don't have an immunization for it. HIV is too tightly packed um, and protected. But we have treatments. We have antivirals. And what was a death sentence uh, is now treatable. Eminently treatable. And as I mentioned before, I've been, I've been through this stuff. I, in my training, I was 
HIV. HIV came in and we didn't know what it was called. We didn't even know where it came from. We didn't know anything about it. And it was horrible making rounds uh, in your training. Um, and uh, you're just kind of watching people get sicker and sicker right in front of your eyes. Weird things that you never think think you're supposed to see like Kaposi sarcoma a weird skin cancer seen in immunosuppressed people like maybe see it in a cancer patient or something like that you know pneumocystis pneumoniae again an opportunistic infection you never thought you'd see it or saw it and after a while we figured out what this thing was but we were wearing bunny suits we were wearing complete protective gear when we were seeing these folks and I was, uh, as an anesthesia resident, doing cases on HIV patients like uh, valve replacements, things like that, with residents. And, I mean, geez, you get stuck. We lost a resident uh, in my era from getting stuck by a needle. That's how bad it was. Um, And then I've been through SARS, H1N1, and I'm going through this now. But I'm I'm mentioning this because, as you know, my podcast you can't practice in fear and you can't live in fear we cannot let our patients be undertreated if you undertreat you make mistakes if you overtreat you make mistakes right okay so this is a, a classic example harold and i were talking about this we have to do some cases that would normally be considered elective but they really aren't harold uh has that story about a physician that came in with a a herniated disc and compre- it was probably complete compression on a nerve. He was miserable. He couldn't even get out of his car, and he had to do a block and he had to use steroid. I did the same thing <clears throat> this week, two days ago. Um, I had a patient that had to have an epidural. She called me at home, a dear friend and a patient, whom. Um, has a story all her own uh she got shingles and what people don't really realize or they're unaware of is hsv um or shingles if we get to it quickly we can pretty much stop it and what shingles is is it's a remnant of um chicken pox you may have had it years and years ago but it lays dormant in your dorsal root ganglion or down by your spine, uh, kind of like, a, I guess, a parking garage. And when you get a little immunosuppressed, out it goes. It goes, follows the nerve out, and it goes to the nerve ending, and it damages the nerve ending. Okay, if it's, it's really bad, which a lot of them are, um, you get nerve damage at the nerve ending, that is extremely painful. Clothes can't touch you. You can't sleep. It is miserable. And we try topicals. We try gabapentinoids. It's resistant to pain meds. They tend to be a little more elderly or immunosuppressed, so you can't just hit them with opioids. It's resistant to opioids, and now you can't give them what you you want to. Uh, there are some newer drugs that help, and you can try antivirals. Uh, usually primary care does that. You can try some solves. Uh, a lot of nursing homes do that. And that's that's fine. But H- HSV um, and post-herpetic neuralgia, uh, they go hand in hand. If you get an epidural in them quickly, it really helps. Sometimes injecting the lesions help.
that's a little more anecdotal. So we had to get her in. And I'll tell you a little backstory on her. She's um, a kind and intelligent woman uh, in her uh, 90s. She went through World War II. Her father uh, was in the German army. She basically grew up the first few years in her life in a bomb shelter, in, and then she had her house taken away as an ally headquarter. I, I mean, incredible stories. Um, and so this woman then, uh, at the you know after the war, immigrated to the United States, put herself through nursing school, and spent her life as an RN. Um, <clears throat> But now has a terrible spine. Uh, I mean, she paid the price. She worked hard, paid the price. She also had a uh, her husband had a dairy farm, so you you can kind of get that picture. Now she's got shingles, so I had to do an epidural on her. Okay, next day I get a call from a physician that a patient uh, had a acutely herniated disc at L four five. And so uh, I wasn't working that day. I was doing administrative stuff. But no, nope, got in my car, hour each way, and I uh, went to Salisbury, and I blocked her. She had to have the block. She's in a wheelchair. She was elderly. And don't forget, if, you, if the elderly don't move, they, get, uh, they lose bone mass fast, muscle mass fast, and they don't have a lot of reserve. You, you have a fall in, if you're an elderly person and you break a hip. It's sometimes a death sentence. So I think you get it. You know, other comorbidities can follow. And I, you know, I had to um, decide, is this elective or not? Is it a mandatory act? I thought it was. Um, it's beyond meds. Um, she doesn't and can't really take pain meds. And certainly I'm not going to give her a steroid pack, which is nonspecific. Uh, and I think just completely worthless. Uh, they work in so few people, but medicine has hung on to those dose packs, those steroid dose packs, where you get a systemic slug of steroid, and uh, <clears throat> you don't get it really where it needs to be. That's why you need to do the injection under fluoro or x-ray. All right? How about another problem? Uh, I had a patient this week who had a flare in her... Um, underlying what we used to call RSD, um, and now we call it complex regional pain syndrome one and two. There's probably a three. But her arm is puffy. It's classic. She's a delightful woman. Her husband, at, a, uh, at the age of 50, had a stroke. She's got to take care of him. Her daughter's off at college. I mean, she's got a, a pretty significant flare of her CRPS. So what do you do? Do you do the block? that can slow that problem down? <clears throat> well, I think so. And I think it was uh, it was indicated. Uh, we talked about it and decided to wait uh, a few days, but an acute uh, episode of CRPS, if you don't get on it fast, it's, it's going to take off like a forest fire. So, yes, we have to do blocks in those people. How about trigeminal neuralgia? Absolutely. The problem with trigeminal neuralgia or some of these uh, 
headaches, like cluster headaches, is the suicide risk is high. And trigeminal neuralgia, yeah, you can push Tegretol or some gabapentinoid, or you can push a drug, but it takes a long time for those to work, if they do at all. You can get them antidepressants. It may help. But that's the problem. It may. Um, Whereas a block can take somebody that is uh, in the kind of pain that I can't describe. You have to see it. You have to understand it. The kind of pain that would take that would t- take someone to force them to grab a gun. And uh, in my career, I've seen it twice, unfortunately. Pamela Weebel, MD, uh, who deals with a lot of physician suicide and burnout, she's probably seen it a lot or heard of it a lot. And um, that's a good site to visit. Uh, Pamela Weeble's site. But do I think that's urgent? Absolutely. Do I think the risk-reward benefits in that patient's favor? There is no question about that. All right, I mentioned cluster headaches. Same thing. Uh, it's mostly in males, and it sometimes doesn't happen much, but when it happens, um, it it's what I consider an emergency, a pain emergency. You've got to get to them. What's another pain emergency? Another pain emergency is cancer. Some, some cancers are so wildly painful. The bones start collapsing like compression fractures from metastasis. The uh, patients have incredible pain from intracranial pressure increases from brain metastasis. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, and some of the actual tissue involvement um, has progressed to the point that there's not only tumor necrosis or internal breakdown, but the pain is is so is beyond pain meds. And the pain the pain meds they try. I mean, the fentanyls, the uh, some of the newer meds, uh, it, they're woefully inadequate. Woefully. Uh, by the time you get somebody comfortable, they're uh, damn near unconscious. And that's no way to live, and that has problems in itself. We have to keep people moving. Um, all right, I mentioned compression fractures. Right now, Medicare is trying to dissuade doctors from uh, injecting uh, what we call bone cement or methacrylate into uh, compression fractures are where the vertebral body, the main part of the vertebral uh, complex that holds you up, that's the thing in between the discs, it's a bone, it wedges, it collapses, or it does something uh, that has um, been a result of either trauma, osteoporosis, or cancer, something like that. We can put bone cement in there, and it's dramatic. Um <laughs> it's one of the mo- most gratifying things I do. I don't know why Medicare is so far against this procedure, but it's been around for quite a while. Uh, the physicians I know that do it have really good hands. You have to have good hands and are really careful at discerning who should get it and who shouldn't. And they have really great outcomes. There are some that just do it to do it because the reimbursement side. Um, but you get the right patient, they're bed-bound, increased risk of uh, blood clots, pulmonary embolism, 
vascular occlusions, uh, osteoporosis, further problems with their spine. And, uh, I mean, I think you get the idea. If you can do a procedure and they're up and moving within hours, um, I've had patients just remarkably sit up and, and come off the table. And he came in in a wheelchair, walk out. I don't want them to walk out, but they're so pleased that their pain is so uh, diminished. That's a clinically important outcome. And that patient, I think, needs to be done. I think it needs to be done. Um, so I, I think you see I can go on and on. It's common sense. It's, as Harold and I were talking about, it's patient selection. It's understanding that we do what we need to do for the right reasons, and it's on the right patients. And we always balance the risk-reward. So I'll get a couple of those other podcasts up, um, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll pull all three up. But you can see them over on uh, the ASAP website, and you can also listen to the webinars. So please uh, understand that I think we've got three things going on right now. One is taking precedence. That's corona, okay? COVID-19, that's a crisis. The other crisis is a pain crisis. People are either undertreated or overtreated. And right now, I think they're undertreated. And the overtreatment would be uh, prescribing too many opioids. And that's the third one. And it's not necessarily from prescriptions. It's a fentanyl heroin problem. And it's going to get worse, and that's the opioid crisis. It's going to get worse because what is an antidepressant? Well, an antidepressant stimulates um, either serotonin or some other operator in the central nervous system to increase mood. Well, what else increases mood? Stimulating the mu opioid receptor. What does that really well? It gives you that euphoria and really fast. Antidepressants can take weeks if they work at all, and 40% of uh, depression or situational anxiety and depression or mood and affect disorders are resistant or unresponsive to antidepressants. Well, what really works? What really works fast is ketamine. What's available to the patient? <laughs> now, not a lot of ketamine providers out there. Well, heroin, Percocet, or oxycodone, uh, a uh, nice little uh, jolt of heroin, as I've been told, is a front row seat. I've used a lot of Narcan to resuscitate people, uh, and they wake up, and they're reversed, and they... Um, were uh, damn near unconscious, but they were reversed, and they come up swinging, and they're pissed off because they were feeling great. So uh, I, I'm just telling you what people do is what they do to um, either self-medicate or treat or uh, avoidance, or if you follow the 12-step program, they don't know how to surrender, uh, that they've got a problem. And it doesn't have to be to a higher being. That's not necessarily what they're implying, although they were. Um, but it's to surrender that they've got a problem, have trouble doing that. They may have intellectual problems. The drugs have blunted their uh, common sense, their uh, 
decision making. I mean, we could go on. It's that's not as important as sitting around at home, uh, not a lot to do, not a lot of social interaction, um, no job, no money, and people turn to the to the wrong things, the dark side. So, I think I'm going to uh, wrap it up here, and um, it, what what'll help me. And I appreciate it is if you uh, rate me and, you know, stars, you know, if you think it's five stars, it really helps. <laughs> Even a couple of five stars rating in iTunes pulls me up. And uh, I, I really want to get a lot of this information out. And uh, it's uh, it's nice to see folks appreciate the podcast and i read everything <laughs> i just uh really appreciate it and you can leave a comment um the website paininformation.com is being worked on now because we have a little extra time don't we um i'm seeing patients in the parking lot three days a week there they go <laughs> that was a pterodactyl again uh even the dog across the way is barking um and uh you know if you um just tell me what stories you want to here or what problems you might have uh, when things settle down a little bit and I'm not seeing patients in the parking lot and doing you know these uh, televisits and all that sort of stuff and actually getting back to something called normal uh, I'm uh, probably going to do um, a semi-live question and answer and you know Facebook live or something like that so anyway uh, I appreciate you listening and I will talk to you soon